In this edition of Hoopsology, we welcome editor for the Clutch Points app and contributor for blogable.com, Jason Pat. The Bulls are off to an impressive start, and we discuss why the Bulls have been successful early in the season. Jason provides great insight into Alice Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, and the new roster changes for the Bulls. Now enjoy this chat with Jason Pat. He is an editor for the Clutch Points app, and he is a contributor for the bloggable.com website. We welcome Jason Pat onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Jason? It's going well. How are you guys? Doing pretty well. Thanks for joining us. And Jason, full disclosure, I am a huge Bulls fan. And nice. um, when I was trying to reach out to different reporters, I was like, okay, right, right before like the season started, I was like, eh, the Bulls will probably be in the middle of the pack or towards the bottom. I don't know. That's a pessimistic attitude of the team <laughs> just due to their like recent success over the years. But I, I'll be, I'll totally admit this fast start um them being six and one has totally kind of caught me off guard so what is the feel of this team because i'm excited but i don't want to get my hopes too up in terms of the expectations of where this team's going to go when we're near the all-star break so what are your like thoughts so far in terms of you know are you overly excited or are you kind of tempering expectations so far uh i think most bulls fans are uh, seeing red pretty excited about this team <laughs> right now i came into the year i'd say relatively optimistic like i was uh Definitely hammering that over. I think their over-under was around like 42, 43 wins, something like that. Hammering that over on that. Uh, I certainly did not expect them to be 6-1 and one out of the gate. Like uh, After they lost Patrick Williams last weekend against the Knicks, uh, I did not think they'd beat the Jazz. I was not feeling that great about the Celtics game on Monday night, last night. And obviously they were down by 19 at one point, and I thought they, looked, they were dead in the water, and then they get this huge comeback. So obviously that was just uh, the vibes great after that game. Uh, so yeah, just the vibes in general, really, really good around this team right now. Bulls fans are just really enjoying having a team that is fun to watch and can root for. It was the last four or five years since they started rebuilding have just been generally terrible outside of like some fun Zach Levine games. So now to see Zach on a team that actually has some talent uh, next to him, DeMar DeRozan has been awesome. I know a lot of people panned the move when it happened with what they gave up with the contract they gave him. Uh, I, I, I got it to a degree. I mean, I, I, Eight, three years, 80-some million seemed like a lot. They gave him a first-round pick for him, but he has been everything they could have asked for and more. He had 37 last night against the Celtics. He had, I think, 32 maybe against the Jazz and, like, just clutch shots. Uh, just having somebody to help to help Zach Levine uh, in crunch time throughout the game. It's because it just the last few years, it's just been so much, Zach, go save us. Yeah. To have DeRozan there to take some, take some of that pressure off him has been huge, especially since Zach has this thumb injury now. Uh, that's clearly bothering him a bit, but he's still fighting through it. The last couple games he had, uh, not great games, but still like pretty good for the standards of most people. I think he had 26 points both games. And then Lonzo Ball has been solid. Alex Crusoe has been awesome off the bench defensively. The yes. defense has been a big storyline so far because a lot of the skeptics about the Bulls were like, well, this team, like they're going to be fun. Uh, they could probably score pretty well, but like their defense is going to stink. That was a pretty standard criticism of this team. So far, I think they're like borderline top five. They force a lot of turnovers. Like I said, Lonzo and Caruso have been huge on that end. Uh, we saw in the Celtics game, guys like Derrick Jones Jr. play a big role. I mean, Zach's gotten better defensively. Uh, Tony Bradley off the bench playing huge minutes. I mean, even even guys like that have been, like bad reps. Like Vucevic, Zach, I mentioned. DeRozan doesn't have a good rep as a defender. Like they're, they're trying, at least. They're, they're playing pretty hard. They're uh, quick hands, forcing turnovers. So... That's definitely played a huge part. So, like, 
they're six and one right now. Uh, best record in the league. Like, I don't think they're going to end the season as like the, with the best record in the NBA, but like great, a bit, the, as good a start as you could hope for their one loss. They lost by one point. They had a chance of winning at the end with a crazy comeback. So it's definitely a good start, good vibes. And I think the expectations now is this should be a playoff team and ideally, hopefully above the plan. So a top six team, maybe even better than that, the way they've started. So what do you make of their comebacks? Because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, normally you mentioned their game against the Knicks, even you know their game against the Boston Celtics. Normally they would have given up. It would have been like a blowout. But I sense that this team doesn't panic, just pay attention to both those games. Um, oops, sorry about that. Um, it, it seems to me that this team is very resilient, that they don't let big leads just ruin the momentum. And they always have a belief that they're going to, you know, come back and win. So how has that change manifested itself this year? Because I just believe in recent years, they just would have just kind of thrown in the towel. But this year, they have a really a fighting spirit that I think is going to carry them well, even towards the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. DeMar DeRozan said that after the game uh, against the Celtics. Uh, it just helps having better players, I think. When you got better guys that can kind of shift into another gear, uh, start making baskets, start getting stops. And I mean, a lot of it is defense. You start getting stops. Uh, we just saw it yesterday with the, their bench defense was huge. Just getting stops, disruptive. Alex Crusoe forcing turnovers. I had a sumo off the bench. I mentioned Tony Bradley, Derek Jones Jr., and even Zach. Getting stops and turning that quickly into points on the other end, their transition stuff. And then Zen, just having guys who can, who can turn it on, like, De, like Zach, like DeRozan, just having more guys who can do that. Because, yeah, in the past, the Bulls just not, a ta- not that talented of a team. Uh, defensively, they've been okay in recent years, but just like offensively, they, they've been one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA. So, like, even if you do get stops in other games, like, you can't score on the other end. You just can't, and you can't make up the deficit. And so, but then sometimes defensively, you just fall apart and you just hit with hit with an avalanche. You have guys that just kind of go into a shell. It's maybe a guy like Zach starts just chucking. He gets, gets, starts getting frustrated. And we still kind of see that occasionally. We, we saw it a few times uh, in a couple of recent games where he gets frustrated. If he's like not getting a foul call or if they're, if they're struggling, sometimes he forces it, but I think he's gotten a little better at that. So now just like having the help and just like having it on both ends, just having more guys that can actually play uh, and that, that, that don't quit and don't go into that shell. It just helps you get back in these games. And in the NBA, we see, we see huge comes back comebacks just all the time. Uh, just teams go cold teams hold, let up on the gas, which I think the Celtics kind of did the Knicks. we kind of saw just kind of fall apart there at the end of that game and almost blow it. Games can just turn just so quickly. And once you get the momentum, like I said, they can start shifting the other way and the bulls have uh, just done a good job not giving up and uh, turning that into huge comes back comebacks jason which which player you mentioned a lot of the of course offseason acquisitions i mean the bulls were arguably the most or at least one of the most active teams in the offseason um which player and what you've seen in terms of like the x's and o's or what they've brought to to the table has surprised you the most uh i'm actually not gonna say like derozan has been better than i expected he is he's been really good uh i think lonzo has been about as advertised caruso as well caruso awesome defender I'm going to say I'm an Illinois guy. I went to Illinois. I'm going to say Io DeSumo so far because I did not expect him to play like at all this mm. season as a rookie. They picked him 38th. I loved him at Illinois. He was awesome in Illinois, but I figured he was probably not going to be in the rotation. If he was, it'd be like spot minutes here and there. Uh, so the fact that he kind of has played himself in the rotation so far with his playing great defense against the Celtics, he made all six of his shots, hit some three pointers. Uh, just really awesome to see him take advantage of that and just, and, hopefully play himself into a consistent spot in the rotation 
We'll see when Kobe White comes back if he keeps getting those type of minutes because he hasn't played yet. But uh, yeah, just like I did not expect. It. Basically, bottom line is I did not expect Io to be, play meaningful minutes basically for the team at all, unless there were injuries. And there have been some injuries, but then I, I figured it'd be a big problem if he was playing. So far, they're off to a six and one start. He's playing key minutes in the fourth quarter, and he's playing well. So that's been a huge surprise for me. And. You know, I, I think I kind of know the answer to this, but from guys that they they already had coming into the season, obviously Zach Levine, obviously Vucevic. Um, what have you seen as far as those offseason moves and the change of morale in this team? Like, what have you noticed, kind of body language wise, just watching this team? Yeah, I mean, it's like, again the never quit thing, and then just like a lot of confidence. They seem like they're having a lot of fun out there. I know, like Lonzo Balls been po- po- posting exciting stuff on social media after every game. Just They seem like they really enjoy playing with each other. So, uh, And Billy Donovan has done a pretty good job pushing the right buttons, doing the right stuff with rotations. So uh, obviously they've hit some adversity with some of these injuries, but they've overcome it so far to go 6-1. and one. And again, they're one loss. They almost came back and won. So the, uh, they're a hair from 7-0. I know that the Raptors game earlier this year, they almost fell apart. So even then, like some of these games, the early games, the first game of the season against a bad Pistons team, they did not play well. They – they were in position to possibly lose that game. They dug down. They won that one. The Raptors game, they made just enough plays. DeRozan had some huge shots. Having a calm, DeRozan has been such a calming presence in general because, uh, again, like in the past, like Zach has been asked to, do, asked to do so much, especially late in games. And in crunch time, sometimes he can be a bit panicky, and we've seen some other guys that happen as well. DeRozan is just he, – he can get the ball. He's so calm. He doesn't turn the ball over much. He can just get to his spots. Not going to always make all the shots. We saw him miss that last shot against the Knicks, but – and so many, so many of these other games, he gets to a sh- spot, hits those mid-range jumpers, and those are just huge shots in close games on the stretch, and something that they just haven't had in the past. Was, again, it's been all Zach all the time. Now you add DeRozan to that. You add another talented pay- player in Vucevic, who, against the Jazz, one of the worst games probably I've seen him ever play. He had two huge two huge shots in the final minute or two to, to finish that game off. So just having those different options there has been huge helps them just play with more confidence and and it's manifested itself in a six and one record so far. For sure. Can't argue with uh, that success. And and of course, you know, some of that has to go to Billy Donovan as well. You mentioned having more options. I mean, that's of course what every coach wants. Um, have you noticed a, a big shift in terms of schemes? I mean, you, you mentioned of course, during like crunch time in the fourth quarter, just having more options to go to, but um, defensively, have you noticed them running different sets or um, what's, what's been kind of the catalyst for their success on that side from like a schematic standpoint? I mean, defensively, since they have Vucevic at center, they, they have been playing him, I feel like, a bit more up instead of like a full drop defense when him dropping back. They've been playing him more a bit to the line, I think, of the screen up there. But I mean, it is kind of tough just because he's not that mobile, but uh, he's I, he's trying hard. Like, And he's he has quick hands, so like he gets up there, he can t- get deflections, force steals. Uh, and then just with, with Lonzo and Caruso, they're just very aggressive defensively. They can get over screens. That's a big part, just... Like last year when they're starting backcourt was Zach and Kobe. They just like Kobe White, like the guy can shoot, make it rain. Like he he would die on screen. So like if you're running pick and roll against Kobe White, you just you can just knock him out with a screen. Mm. Give that ball handler just like an easy run to the rim. And then when you have a guy like Vucevic there or just another like sl- slower defender that just like can't just like not who's not Rudy Gobert who can erase Gobert who can erase shots like that. Uh, that was kind of tough. And the defense struggled at times. The defense actually wasn't that bad last year. Just it felt a lot worse than it actually was but now this year 
when you have guys like the perimeter stoppers, when you have Lonzo Caruso, like I said, even Zach is playing better. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. has been playing more lately. Javante Green's been play, playing a lot now, especially with Patrick Williams. Like he's he tries hard. He's pretty athletic. Uh, so when you have these guys who can just disrupt the ball much better, uh, it helps make up for not having rim protection with Vucevic. It helps make up for uh, him like not just not being that mobile and pick and roll defense. So they've they've made it work. Like there have been times where they've gotten roasted, but I mean so far they have a top five six defense right now, and a lot of it is the turnovers. Uh, and just getting in those passing lanes, deflections, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and the guards block a lot of shots. I mean, yeah. again, Jones had a couple blocks yesterday, and Caruso has blocked shots. Alonzo, I think, has had games with multiple blocks. So getting rim like blocks, rim protection from guys who aren't their big, big men is, is really nice as well. I want to ask you, Jason, about Chicago's kind of crazy schedule at this point. It happens yeah. every year. What are your expectations of them kind of – I guess making it out alive, <laughs> you know, right, yeah. at least like, you know, even like, you know, 500. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. What are, what are, what are, what are your expectations as to them making it through this road trip? Not only with the wins, but like unscathed through injuries. Like what are, what are your expectations? Right. So like starting, I think it was the beginning that with that Knicks game, I think it was something like 13 or 14 straight games against teams who either made the, I think who teams who made the plan, I think literally every, yeah. every opponent over the next like month, basically, uh, so my thought was like, okay, if they can go like six and eight, maybe like five and nine, maybe at the worst five and nine, six and eight, like that wouldn't be bad. If they could come out, sneak out 500, uh, that wouldn't be bad. Like now you beat the jazz, you beat the Celtics on the road. We got a couple games against the Sixers coming up here. The Sixers won't have Tobias Harris. I think for either game, maybe definitely not ones that tomorrow's game. It's gonna be no Tobias Harris, no, uh, Danny green. He's got a hamstring injury. Obviously they don't have Ben Simmons back. I believe Embiid is playing Wednesday. I'm assuming he'll play Saturday as well. But and I know we just saw them beat the Blazers with like nobody playing. But still, yeah. like that's a winnable game. Like way more winnable than if they had all their guys there. So like maybe if you split those games. So like at this point now you're hoping over these 14 games maybe you go eight and six or like nine and five. I would still probably be fine with like 500. If you get through all those games, 500, you hopefully get Kobe White back some point in either November or early December. Uh, the Zach thumb injury will be something to watch because there have been times where it looks like he's labored, uh, hoping that doesn't get any worse with him playing through it. He's, he's going to try to play through it obviously with the stretch of games. Like he does not want to miss these games. Uh, so yeah, I think you just hope you get through it without like falling too far back. Now they're two and one so far in this stretch. If you can basically make it out 500, the rest of these games, I mean, you got the West coast road trips, obviously going to be super tough. You play the LA teams. You play uh, the Blazers. You play the Warriors. I think the Nuggets are in there. Uh, the, the Nets, I think, next week. In addition, after these Sixers games, like they just play all these really good teams. They play the Knicks again coming up. So, like, get through it somewhere around 500. Like, if they're four games, they're six and one right now. If they're like four or five games above 500 when you're done with the stretch and hopefully no more injuries, I mean, I think that's a great sign for uh, basically the first quarter of the season. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to ask Jason, you know, of course, one of the only like down notes early on was obviously the injury to Patrick Williams. Um, you mentioned, you know, rookies kind of being able to, to fill some of that void. Um, do you think this is a team that can be very active at the trade deadline or even will be very active during the trade deadline to try and kind of fill some of that void, of course, with him being out for the season? Right. Uh, it is kind of think kind of tough just because they are out most of their first round picks, future first round picks. They did yeah. get one back in the Lowry marketing trade. 
we still don't know if they're actually going to have it because the Lonzo ball tampering thing is like still going on. I don't know what's taking so long with what, like whatever they're doing with that. There's been rumors that they could lose another first. I'm assuming it would be that one they got in the Lowry sign and trade. Uh, So like, if they don't have that, they don't have many second round picks either. Like looking at like their salary, like, I mean, Derrick Jones Jr. has played great so far, but like if they want to use his expiring contract to try to trade for somebody, he's making like 10 million, nine, 10 million a year. Maybe they use him. Like if they have that first round, you use like him and like, um, and that first round pick to get somebody. I mean, Kobe could potentially be a trade chip. Like I really like the idea of Kobe White off the bench here because they're the bench as great as they played the last couple games and like how good as they look defensively, they still are pretty short in terms of like shooting and offense. I mean, I would assume he was not going to make all six of his shots every night. Uh, and so some, and like Derek Jones Jr. Not the best offensive player. Bradley's not the best offensive player. So having Kobe would be nice with that, with that shooting. If there is an option to upgrade using Kobe white, I'm sure they would do it. I mean, we saw how aggressive this front office was this in the last year or so. Uh, and the, the, the Patrick Williams injury is also tough in terms of, I guess, obviously you'd love to see him develop and become a really good player on the bulls, but if like they wanted to do an upgrade, Patrick Williams was, was one of your best trade chips. I'm sure you're not trading him now. Like I can't imagine you're getting some, anything really good for a guy who's going to miss the entire season and who hasn't really shown that much yet as a young player. Like obviously there's still some potential there, but uh, when he's uh, injured like this, like I don't know what you're really going to get for him. Like if you're if you're doing Patrick Williams like Kobe White in the first round pick, like I mean maybe you can get something decent for that, but I right now I'm not really wouldn't expect that. Who knows? Things can change around the trade deadline. So I do think they are going to try that. I mean, losing Pat, like so far they've survived without him. They, these other guys, uh, like Jared Jones Jr., Javante Green, Tony Bradley, Io, they have Troy Brown Jr. off the bench as well. Like they can kind of fit in now for him. Like I still think they could use another big guy, another bigger player, another bigger wing, just because they are they do play pretty small with a lot of smaller lineups. That the rebounding has been an issue at times. So I think they still could use use somebody to help replace him. Uh, so I think they will be, even if it's not a trade, I mean, maybe they look to go sign somebody off the, in the free agent market or something like that. I do think they'll, they'll try to be aggressive at some point. Cause I think, especially if they're good, like if they're really good that you might as well try to make yourself even better and see if you can go on like a deep playoff run. Jason, I want to ask you about Lonzo ball. Um, I fully admit I've been skeptical on the ball brothers, <laughs> to be honest, Lonzo in particularly, but I, I don't know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but so far what I'm seeing from Chicago, he just seems like driven, like um, both what they've said about him on other teams. It's actually coming to fruition with Chicago from his defensive intensity, his playmaking ability. Um, it just seems like it's actually coming as a reality. What do you think his ceiling is with Chicago and how do you think? the expectations that he had, you know, with these previous teams, do you think they'll actually materialize as we get, you know, close to the end of the season? Do you think he's going to kind of, you know, end up where he's averaged on previous seasons? This is a hot start for him. Where are your expectations for Lonzo Ball so far? I mean, I think he's been really good. He's had a few down games and there, he clearly yes. has flaws and the flaws that we've seen have been the flaws that we knew he had coming in. He like in the half court, uh, not a good score. Like he's, he's afraid of layups. He's afraid of the rim. Like, <laughs> He bashed a layup really bad against the Celtics last night. Just like there'll be times where he'll beat a guy off the dribble or in a pick and roll, and he'll have an advantage, but he won't look to score himself. He'll try to make a pass, and sometimes he can make a beautiful pass. Other times he'll try to force it instead of being aggressive and trying to take it all the way to the rim himself. But that's an issue that I knew he had uh, from past years. It's just like not his game. He's just like not an aggressive scorer for himself. He just doesn't get to the free throw line much, doesn't get to the rim much, which is fine. It can be frustrating when he, you do get those advantages and you're like, Alonzo, just 
go all the way to the basket. What are you doing? Try to try to score yourself uh, instead of either dropping it off or shooting like a bad mid-range jumper. But he does so many other things well. His three-point shot, I mean, is legit at this point. Like, I mean, he was great last year. He's been really good so far from three outside of a few games. The defense outside of a few stretches, where like, like he got roasted by Jalen Brown for a bit last night, but down the stretch he was great. Like again, just the disruption defensively and just having that out at the top uh, has been really huge. And then and just his passing, the transition stuff, his pass, his passes ahead uh, for fast break stuff is obviously one of the better aspects of his game. Uh, so he's been as good as advertised. Like I said, I don't know if he's like got that another like huge leap in him unless he somehow becomes a guy who can start scoring in the half court and not be afraid of taking layups against contact at the rim. But even if he does, even if he never makes like another, another jump like that, if he's shooting close to 40% from three handing out and running the offense, handing out five, six, seven assists per game and playing great defense on the perimeter. uh, I mean, that's worth whatever the $20 million a year that they're paying him on this team. Jason, what else has surprised you with the Eastern Conference at large uh, while it's it's been super early? I mean, for me personally, the one that the team that jumps out to me that really has surprised me in, in a negative way would be the Celtics. Yep. <laughs> um, but what what has surprised you so far about you know just the first seven to eight games in general in the Eastern Conference? Uh, to, to address the Celtics point, yeah, they're what two and five. They've had some just epic losses, including the one yeah. against the Bulls. And we saw Marcus Smart calling yeah. out their two best players, sure. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And uh, I mean, he definitely had a point. You can definitely argue that uh, that maybe he should have kept that in house and not aired all those grievances out to the media. But I mean, in the fourth quarter, Jason Tatum was a huge ball hog and he was terrible. Uh, and the Bulls shut him down. Uh, Jalen Brown lost his rhythm. Jalen Brown had a few misses late, but I think he he like he was hot all game. And then I think Tatum just kind of going ball hog. Just, I think Brown lost his rhythm, and by the the time he got a few shots late, it was just totally gone. So like, uh, yeah. I mean, that, I feel like those two guys are just like you can argue whatever the rest of the roster is. Like those two guys, are, you should be just like so good. They should not be where they are right now. I still do think they're gonna figure it out at some point. I just say I think those two guys are too talented, but. Um, outside of them, what I feel like what the wizards are five and two, like that's pretty impressive yeah. for them after the Russell Westbrook trade. Uh, I mean, the Knicks, I mean, I, I, the Knicks were good last year, obviously, but I mean, I was really impressed by the Knicks until the last minute against the bulls. Like they just looked like a really strong team. Kemba looked really good. Uh, I mean, adding Evan Fournier was another good offensive player. They've been launching threes. They obviously play great Tom Thibodeau defense. RJ Barrett has had some really nice games. So, like, I mean, the Knicks, the Bing Bong Knicks, uh, <laughs> look, 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 looking good. Um, and I mean, Becoming other than national that, I mean, sweethearts, the, who would have thought that? I know, right. exactly. Uh, the Knicks, so yes, there's definitely some interesting teams like towards the top, along with the Bulls. Like I said, that's what Bulls were. I mean, the Heat are playing right now. I got them on the background. I mean, they they just look really good, which is not surprising. I feel like getting Kyle Lowry, uh, people figured they'd be top right there in the mix, top three, top four team. I mean, I guess you could say the Nets are, I mean, they're kind of meandering along, but I mean, the Harden's starting slow with all the free throw stuff. And I mean, he just, and he's also just like not in game shape. Clearly he, the last yeah. couple of games, he's starting to find it. The nuts will be fine without what the Kyrie thing is, whatever Kyrie is doing out there. But even once, once Harden finds his groove again, like the nuts should be fine. The bucks will be fine. I know they've been missing top guys. So like, I know uh, th- some of those teams will figure it out. I guess the other one is the Cavs. Yeah. Um, Cavs being four and four yeah. against a really difficult schedule, playing their crazy three big man lineup, Larry marketing, former bull Evan Mobley has been awesome. Jared Allen's had some really nice games. 
Uh, they got Ricky Rubio running things off the bench there. So the Cavs being four and four against that schedule is definitely surprising. I, I mean, I don't think they've played like a, they played maybe like one or two like bad teams. They just had a great road trip. They finished up with a big win in Charlotte. They beat with the Hawks. They beat the Nuggets. Clippers, the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, and I think they played the the Lakers pretty close for a while. Like uh, being yeah. that competitive and being four and four and that schedule is pretty impressive. We'll see if they get, we'll see how long this three big lineup works. We'll see if that they can keep it up, but uh, them being four and four is definitely pretty impressive so far. Watching all these games early on, you know, the rule changes have been very noticeable. I think um, where do you kind of lean on the rules change discussion? Do you, enjoy the product that's on the court a little bit more now, just as someone who's a fan of the sport, how, how do you feel that uh, transition has been going early on? Yeah. I mean, I love getting rid of the, some of those junk shooting fouls, just the cheap yeah. chucking up threes and the, whatever the Trey young, were like leaning back right. into guys. Like, and, and obviously yes. with Harden too. And, yeah. and Harden is just obviously like, I don't, I'm not going to say like, it's all like the rule chance of Harden. And he had like 18 free throws in a game recently, but some of it, like, it seemed like he was like almost like, baiting and like trying to get the refs like seeing how far he could go to get see if the refs would call stuff uh just super goofy I'm, and I'm, i hope they stick with that kind of stuff i think you can argue that maybe they have taken it to a whole like maybe even letting too much stuff like at the rim go but in terms of like just getting rid of that the junk stuff the three-point shots and just like the flailing on that kind of stuff uh definitely great it's awesome like was that just cheap basketball like I don't blame guys for doing it when it was allowed by the rules. That's savvy players take advantage of how the rules are written, but uh, getting rid of that and hopefully the refs keep calling it that way and like not calling those fouls like that. I think it's awesome. Like I said, you could, you could argue that maybe they could be a little tighter uh, on some of the physical contact around the rim, but for the most part, I, I, I think it's been great so far. I know like shooting scoring has been down a bit, Free throws are down a bit, I think, which is totally fine. I mean, you don't free throw foul, foul fest, free throw fest could get really just boring and annoying to watch. So, like, make them play, make them play through some contact. They're good. obviously to a degree, uh, and then just get the get that crap out of the game. And I think that's that's good. That's really nice. As a Rockets fan who went through the Daryl Morey era, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see these rule changes having an effect when we're headed towards March and April? Do you think the players will adjust or um, do you foresee this being a bigger issue in terms of, you know, like you've seen Damian Lillard struggle. We've seen just even with Steph Curry, I mean, he's playing well, but we, we still have yeah. the numbers of all the top shooters in the league. All their numbers are down. Um, so do you see that kind of adjusting after the all-star break, or do you foresee it as being kind of a, a bigger problem for players to really adjust to this rule changes? I would guess they adjust. And I know, I know I've seen them also complaining about the new basketball, yeah. the change to, what is it? Was it Spalding to Wilson? Was that it? Yes. Or yeah. Wilson? Okay. Yeah. I've seen some guys, I saw Paul George complaining about that last night. That's right. Uh, I mean, I guess that's something they'll have to get used to as well, but yeah, with the the rule of the foul changes, I think that's I mean that should be relatively easy to, to I would assume hopefully get get used to just stop doing your flailing and tricky little nonsense. Just play basketball and you'll be fine. Like the best players should be will be able to figure out they're talented enough. Like will it be frustrating sometimes if you if there's a little contact a little contact that you're used to getting a foul and you don't get it? Sure, whatever, play through it. As long as you keep if you keep playing and keep being aggressive, like you'll end up getting your share of calls. Uh, just stop doing the bogus stuff and you'll be totally fine. Just play basketball. And you're really, these guys are really good. They should be fine. I want to ask you about when the Knicks came into town and that was, I believe Joe Kim Noah, I guess was an appreciation Joe, night. Yes. Um, and all the, you know, all the former bulls were there. What was the vibe like for that game? It felt like a playoff game, just 
watching it, it just seemed not like a regular season game. It just the, the vibe was different. And then with, with the Bulls and Knicks being good at the moment, I think we can foresee these teams being, you know, in the playoff mix um, come April, May. Um, what is what is your vibe in terms of this, you know, rivalry being renewed? Because I think this is one of the hallmark rivalries, not only in the NBA, but in sports. So what was the vibe like with that game? I know it's, you know, when we'll, you know, talk about the all-star breaker later on, you know, this game will probably mean very little, but, you know, <laughs> but when, when watching it yourself, you living in Chicago, what was the vibe like just with everything going on? Yeah. I mean, a lot of excitement for sure. Uh, just, I know I, I really liked enjoying watching some people, uh, even on Twitter, not even just Bulls fans, but people on Twitter, like, posting some like like remix like mashups of like the nba and nbc uh <laughs> theme but having like some highlights from like the current players like bringing that back because obviously I mean, growing up the bulls the mj bulls against the knicks in the 90s nba and nbc was there were always the christmas games and obviously the playoff matchups and watching those so like bringing that back would be awesome because obviously the bulls and knicks uh before last season were basically two of the biggest jokes and embarrassments in the nba for quite a while so to have b- both teams be pretty good again, having uh, it, w- it was really cool. And then adding the Joakim Noah night on top of it uh, was really cool. So many former Bulls were back for that game. Just, uh, they The Bulls Twitter account was posting stuff from like the party the night before. And it was like every new picture was like, oh, my God, this guy. Like <laughs> you couldn't like believe it. And they were all at this game. Uh, so that was just really cool to see. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully these teams are. Uh, will stay good all season, and that I mean, it'd be awesome to get a playoff series between these two teams. If like if they were like the four five, or like a three six matchup, like that would be absolutely awesome, and just the the vibes would be would be great. They'd be off the charts. Um, I'm sure NBA would appreciate that as well. Just like both those teams in a prime spot four or five. I mean, they would be jumping for yeah. Jump. Viewers. Um, Jason, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Keep please let our audience know where they can find you on social media and then any other projects you're working on for the rest of the year as well. Absolutely. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at bulls underscore J. You mentioned editor. I'm an editor at clutch points. You mentioned bloggable. I also do some Forbes, uh, some bull stuff at Forbes.com. And then my podcast cash considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. That's part of the blue wire network. So that we just re- actually recorded a new episode or a few hours before this. Uh, so that'll be coming out, uh, overnight or tomorrow morning. So be, be on the lookout for that. Uh, just more bulls talk. And so the vibes are good with the bulls. It's been a lot of fun to talk about them because the last few years watching them has been so miserable. So it's just nice to be excited about talking about bulls basketball again. Agreed. It's I think renewed my interest in the league somewhat because I yeah. it's all an assumption that the bulls are going to be terrible. So <laughs> yeah, it's just basically. nice to them to be just to be relevant. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much, Jason, for coming on to the show. Really appreciate the chat. Absolutely. This is awesome. Thanks for having me, guys.